During my junior year of high school, the faculty advisor of our French Honor Society decided to lead a trip to Paris, France for anyone who was in the Honor Society. But of course, anybody who wanted to go on this trip needed to pay for it, uh, for the airfare, the lodging, the food, etc. And since my dad was making a pastor's salary and my mom was busy raising five kids at home, money was a little bit tight for our family and sending me on a trip to Paris was not exactly in our family budget. But there was one way that I would be able to go on this trip. We were doing some fundraising for the Honor Society, and our advisor said that the more fundraising that we did, the more times our name would be entered into a raffle. And this raffle would give one lucky person a free ride to Paris. So I did as much fundraising as I possibly could, hoping that my name might possibly be drawn. Well, finally, the day of the raffle came, and I waited with anticipation as that name was drawn. And our advisor read the name, Peter Hartley. Oh, I was crushed. My heart sank. All of my hopes of seeing the Eiffel Tower and the Louvre Museum were dashed. Now, Peter was one of my best friends, so I tried to be happy for him, but I was just incredibly disappointed. But then the most amazing thing happened. Peter came over to me and told me that he wanted me to have the free ride to Paris, that he was giving me that trip. And he told me that you know, he was planning to go either way, but he knew that I wouldn't be able to afford it on my own. And so he really wanted me to be a part of the trip with him and our friends. Man, I was blown away. You know, I objected like, no, that's too much, Peter. But, but no, his mind was made up. He was giving me that free trip. In that moment, it was just crystal clear how much my friend Peter valued our friendship. He was willing to give me what he had won so that I could share that experience with him and with our other friends. Over the past several weeks, we've been going through a sermon series called God's Heart for All Nations. And we've seen this theme throughout the Old Testament. And last week, we saw it in the ministry of Jesus as he reached out to a Samaritan woman. But it's one thing to hear that somebody cares about you and quite another thing to actually experience that love in a very tangible way which was kind of like how I experienced that from my friend Peter when he gave me that free trip to Paris. I, I knew that he cared about me in this very tangible way. In today's text, we're going to see how God chose to show his heart for all nations, the thing that we've been talking about over the last several weeks, but he showed it in a very tangible way. How could he make sure that people from every nation would know how much he loved them. Well, as we're going to see, he did it by giving a mission to Jesus' disciples. 
So my sermon title today is The Mission. As we see how God's heart for all nations results in this mission for Jesus' disciples and also for us as well. So our text today is from the Gospel of Matthew, chapter 28, verses 16 through 20. Hear God's word to us today. Then the eleven disciples went to Galilee, to the mountain where Jesus had told them to go. When they saw him, they worshipped him, but some doubted. Then Jesus came to them and said, All authority in heaven and on earth has been given to me. Therefore, go and make disciples of all nations, baptizing them in the name of the Father and of the Son and of the Holy Spirit, and teaching them to obey everything I have commanded you. And surely I am with you always to the very end of the age. These verses come at the very end of Matthew's gospel. After Jesus had died on the cross and been risen from the dead, And he was preparing to go back to his father in heaven. But before he did, he gave this mission to his followers. This mission that is often known as the Great Commission in Matthew 28. And so I want to look at how this mission that Jesus gives here expresses God's heart for all nations and how it should also impact our lives today. But before we talk about this mission that Jesus gives to his followers, the first thing that we need to understand, especially about this idea of God's heart for all nations being made tangible in our lives, is that God's heart for all nations is ultimately shown through Jesus accomplishing salvation for all people. God's heart for all nations is ultimately shown through Jesus accomplishing salvation for all people. Last week, we saw that that when Jesus stayed for two days with the Samaritans in their village, many came to believe in him. And the thing that they confessed, we saw this at the end of last week's passage, was that they said, we know that this man really is the savior of the world. They understood that Jesus had come not just to be the savior of the Jewish people or that he'd come to be just the savior of the Samaritans. No, he had come to be the savior of the world. He had come to accomplish salvation for all people. And this is the confession that that John the Baptist actually gives at the very beginning of Jesus' ministry when he sees Jesus coming to him. In John chapter 1, verse 29, John the Baptist says, Look, the Lamb of God who takes away the sin of the world. Jesus had come not to just take away the sin of certain people, but to take the sin of the world. 1 John 2 verse 2 says something similar. It says, He is the atoning sacrifice for our sins. And not only for ours, but also for the sins of the whole world. So when Jesus died on the cross, he was dying for every sin ever committed by every human being, past, present, and future. He paid for them all. And that means 
that he accomplished salvation for all people. Now, that doesn't mean that all people will be saved, as we're going to see in a minute. But Jesus has done everything necessary to bring salvation to anyone who would believe in him. Now, going back to my, my story about getting that free ride to Paris from my friend, I didn't earn that trip to Paris. I couldn't pay for it. It was a gift given to me by my friend. And he gave it to me because he cared about me. And he wanted me to join him and our friends on that trip. Well, God, he looks out at the world and, and he loves each and every person out there. And he wants us to be with him forever in heaven. He, he wants us to have this amazing trip with him in heaven. But he knows that we can't get there on our own, just like I couldn't get to Paris on my own. We can't pay our way into heaven. And so our only hope is for Jesus to pay for us and to give us that gift. And that's exactly what he did when Jesus died on the cross. He paid for our sin in full. Now, my friend Peter was only able to give that free ride to just one other person. And it happened to me, me thankfully. But Jesus, he paid for the sins of the whole world. So he is able to offer that gift of salvation to everyone, to people from every nation, every ethnic group, every background. But here's the thing. In order to receive a gift that someone has purchased for you, it needs to be delivered to you. You need to receive it. And that is where the Great Commission comes in. So my second point that I want to talk about today is that God's heart for all nations is also shown as his disciples bring the gospel to all nations. It's shown in the fact that Jesus has accomplished salvation for all people, but it is also shown as his disciples bring this good news, this gift to all nations. If my friend Peter had decided that he wanted to give me that free gift to Paris, but he never told me about it, guess what? I wouldn't have gone to Paris if I didn't know about it. You see, that gift needed to be delivered to me. I needed to hear about it, to know that it had been given to me. I needed to hear the good news of what my, my friend had done for me. And the same thing is true of Jesus' gift of salvation. Jesus accomplished salvation for all people, but in order for people to receive the gift, it needs to be delivered to them. They need to hear about it so they can realize what has been done for them and so they can come to believe that it is theirs. And this is what the Apostle Paul talks about in Romans chapter 10. He says there, For everyone who calls on the name of the Lord will be saved. How then can they call on the one they have not believed in? And how can they believe in the one of whom they have not heard? In order for people to believe in Jesus and therefore receive the salvation that he's accomplished for them, they first need to hear 
about Jesus. They need to hear about what Jesus has done for them. And so how does that happen? Well, Paul continues by saying, and how can they hear without someone preaching to them? And how can they preach unless they are sent? There need to be messengers who will tell this good news to those who need to hear it. And in our text today, Jesus basically tells his disciples, that is the mission that I'm giving to you. That you, disciples, are going to be the messengers to bring this good news to all nations. As he says in the Great Commission, therefore go and make disciples of all nations. Just as Jesus had called each of his disciples to to be his disciples, he's now sending them to call people from every nation to also become Jesus' disciples. In last week's text from John chapter 4, we saw that, that Jesus wanted his disciples to see the Samaritans who were coming out from the village as people whom God loved as people who could also become believers and and become disciples of his. And that was a struggle for Jesus' disciples because they looked down upon the Samaritans. They didn't want anything to do with them. But Jesus said, no, look at them. Look at the fields are ripe unto harvest. And what happened? Many Samaritans became believers as they heard the good news. And so now as Jesus is getting ready to leave his disciples, he tells them that, that they're to have that same perspective that he wanted them to have with the Samaritans, but now to have it for all people, for all nations, for Greeks and Romans and Ethiopians and Egyptians, and even for people who they weren't even aware of at the time. You see, if people from every nation were to understand that God loves them, and that Jesus died for them, someone needs to tell them that. And this is the mission that is initially given to Jesus' 11 disciples. We saw this also in the scripture reading that was was read earlier, that Hoiwing read from Acts chapter 1, as he tells them, you will be my witnesses here in Jerusalem, and in Judea, and Samaria, and then to the ends of the earth. And through the the witness of those those first disciples, that message began to pass from person to person to person until now, 2,000 years later, it has passed to you and to me. And so we too are called to make disciples of all nations. Now, when I was a kid, I remember thinking that that this whole Great Commission thing, this whole thing about making disciples of all nations, it it mainly applied to international missionaries. You know, we would sometimes have missionaries come to our church when I was a kid, and they would share about their ministry, whether that was in Taiwan or Japan or in Chad, Africa. And we need missionaries who will go to places where people haven't yet heard about Jesus. We still need that. Even 2,000 years later, there are people who need to hear the good news who have never heard it. And we need Bible translators who will help translate the Bible into languages that, that don't yet have the Bible in that language. 
But the one thing that I missed when I was a kid was that the Great Commission doesn't only apply to international missionaries, people preaching the gospel literally overseas in, in other countries, but it also applies right here in our own nation, in our own neighborhoods. See, there are people all around us, people from various national and cultural backgrounds, especially here in Brooklyn. The nations have come here to New York City, and, they, and there are so many people around us who need to hear about Jesus, who need to hear about the salvation that he has accomplished for them. They need to know that God loves them, that God's heart for all nations applies to them too. And the way that they will hear that message is if people like you and me are willing to tell them. In his book, Let Me Tell You a Story, Life Lessons from Unexpected Places and Unlikely People, Tony Campolo tells the following story about when he attended his 10-year high school reunion. He says this, he says, I was, it was fun to see so many of my old friends whom I hadn't seen for years. Then one of my friends pulled me aside. He had been one of my closest buddies in high school. We had played basketball together and always sat together at lunch. And he told me that a year earlier, he had had the most fantastic experience of his life. He had become a Christian. And he explained the change that had come over him and the new joy that he had experienced because of being in this relationship with Christ. And he went on and on and on about his new life as a Christian. Well, after his first pause, uh, Tony Campola says that, that I interrupted him and said, Jerry, I'm so glad to hear this. You know, I'm a Christian too. And Jerry asked, when did you become a Christian? I explained to him that I supposed it was when I was a little boy. To this, he responded with a most intense question. If you were a Christian when we were in high school together, how come you never told me about Jesus? How come you never introduced me to Christ? And I didn't know what to say. It's a challenging and sobering question, isn't it? I think I can think of many people in my own life who I've spent a lot of time with, but, but I've never actually introduced them to Jesus. That never actually spoken about the gift of salvation that Jesus had for them. Now, I'm not saying this to try to make all of us feel really guilty and to beat ourselves up over the times when maybe we had the opportunity to share the gospel with someone, but we didn't. Jesus forgives us for those moments too. And he may use someone else to share the gospel with that person, just like he did with Tony Campolo's classmate. But I want us to wrestle with the question of why we don't share the gospel with more people in our lives? What prevents us from following this mission that Jesus has given to us? 
I know there are probably a lot of different answers to that question. You know, for some of us, it might be the fear of how people will respond to us if we do tell them. Maybe for others, it's we're just not sure what to say or how to say it. For others, maybe you're just too busy or you don't want to make things awkward with people in your life who aren't believers. You know, maybe especially for thinking about sharing this good news with someone who's culturally different from you, maybe you're afraid of offending them or, or maybe worrying about communication differences. But if we're honest, is it possible that we actually don't care enough about the people around us to take the risk of sharing Jesus with them? I know that that kind of sounds harsh, maybe. But could it be true that we actually care more about our comfort than we do about the eternal destiny of our neighbors? Now, in the face of that question, there's a, a part of this passage that gives me actually a lot of comfort. Verse 17 says, When they saw him, they worshipped him, but some doubted. Another way to translate some doubted is some were hesitant. You see, even some of the disciples who had walked with him over those three years of ministry, and even as they were looking upon the resurrected Jesus, they were still hesitant. And Jesus' response to their hesitation was not condemnation. It was not rejection. No, it was reassurance. And the same thing applies to us. So the last thing I want to look at today is that God's heart for all nations applies to us, too. And, and God promises us his power and his presence as he sends us. God's heart for all nations applies to us, too. He loves us, and he's gracious with us even when we're hesitant, even when we fail to share this good news with someone that, that maybe we should have. And so the first thing that Jesus says to his disciples, to those who are worshiping him, but also to those who are doubting, those who are hesitant, is he says, all authority in heaven and on earth has been given to me. Jesus reassures them that he is ultimately in control, that he has the authority and so as he sends his disciples, he sends them with his power, his authority. You see, ultimately, the disciples are not going to be the ones who are going to make other people into disciples. We are not the ones who are able to make people into believers of G in Jesus. Only Jesus has the power to do that. Only the Holy Spirit has the power to do that. But he chooses to give them his power and to use them as his agents in the world. And he does the same thing with us. And that is freeing because it means that it doesn't all depend upon us and our ability or our eloquent words. It's God's mission. 
and he has the power. But it's also empowering because it means that the Lord who has all authority and all power has chosen to use us to accomplish this mission in the world. And so we can go boldly. We can go without fear, trusting that that God will empower us, that, that he will give us the words to say, that he will give us the courage we need to share the gospel. And next week, we're going to look more specifically at how God does that with those first disciples and how he does it with us as he sends the Holy Spirit upon them. But the final thing that that Jesus says to his disciples at the very end of this passage is, and surely I am with you always to the very end of the age. Jesus' final statement in the whole gospel of Matthew is not a command, it's a promise. He promises his presence. He says, I am with you always. In the original language, Jesus literally says, I am with you all the days. He promises to be with his disciples every single day. And that promise is for us too, because Jesus says that he will do this until the very end of the age. That he will be with his followers until he returns to bring an end to this age and to usher in the fullness of the kingdom of God. So as he sends us into the world on this mission, know that we are not alone. That he promises to be with us. You know, during his earthly ministry, Jesus' presence was limited to his physical body. But after his resurrection and his ascension to heaven, he is now able to be spiritually present with each and every believer each and every day. And so that means that that we don't have to share the gospel or make disciples on our own. That Jesus is present with us. He's empowering us and teaching us and working through us as we bring others to him. One of my most memorable experiences from high school was actually getting to go on that trip to Paris with the French Honor Society. You know, getting to see the Eiffel Tower and Notre Dame, and the Louvre, and so many other amazing sights. It was just amazing being able to see those things in person. And I never would have had that experience if it hadn't been for my friend Peter and his generosity to me and the fact that he told me that that trip was mine. Brothers and sisters, We have news that is infinitely better than a free trip to Paris. The news that we have is that the God of the universe loves every human being on this planet. And because of his great love, he sent Jesus to purchase eternal life for everyone who will believe in him. And guess what? We don't only have to tell that to just one other person. We're not limited in how many people we get to share that good news with. We can share it with as many people as we'd like. And so who has God placed in your life who needs to hear this good news? Who is a part of that all nations 
in your sphere of influence that Jesus wants to become one of his disciples. Let's tell them the best news they will ever hear, trusting that as we do, Jesus has all the authority. It's his job to ultimately work in their lives and that also he will be with us as we go, as we tell that news. He will be with us even to the end of the age. Let's pray. Lord, we confess that so often we are trapped by fears and doubts and hesitations as we think about this commission that you've given to us to share this good news with people around us in our lives. Forgive us, Lord, for, for caring more about our comfort than we do about wanting to share this great gift with the people around us. And so we pray, Lord, that you would remind us that, that you have all the authority and it's not up to us to bring people to salvation. It's, it's your work, but that you want us to be a part of it and that you want to speak through us, Lord, to, to share this good news that we have received and help us to know that you're with us, that that we don't go alone, God, but that you'll empower us, you'll give us the words, you'll give us the courage, and that you would fill us, Lord, with, with such an excitement at this good news that we have that, that we won't be able to keep it inside of us, but that we'll want to share it with every person around us. So do that work in us, Holy Spirit. We can't do it ourselves. We pray that you would fill us with your Spirit and fill us with such joy to know what you've done for us that we just can't help but share it with the people around us, to people from every nation, every background. Jesus, do that through us. In Jesus' name we pray, amen.